Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message with Pastor Nick Stringer, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. Good morning again. Please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6 is going to be the focus of our message here today. This is the final message of our series, Criticizing Jesus. Uh, We have been looking at examples of how Jesus was criticized during his earthly ministry and how Jesus has taught us to overcome those criticisms and why those criticisms happen. Today's message is titled, Stretch Out Your Hand. And that's exactly what Jesus said to the man with the withered hand some 2,000 years ago. And that is the message that Jesus is still giving to us today. Stretch out your hand, he is saying. I want you to take hold of my hand. He is here to rescue us from whatever trials that we are enduring now, whatever adversity that is in our, li- in our lives, but ultimately to rescue us from the flame. And to bring us into eternal glory with him. Why? Because he is a good and compassionate savior. So criticizing Jesus. Stretch out your hand. This is the episode. Now we're in Mark chapter 3 again. We were in Mark chapter 3 last week. But last week we were at the end of the chapter. This week we're at the beginning of the chapter. A new episode and a new criticism. This time Jesus is being criticized for healing on the Sabbath day. Now the Pharisees, they were watching, weren't they? They were always watching Jesus, seeing what it is that he would do. Now the Sabbath day was a day that the Jewish people held as holy to the Lord, and no work was to be performed on that day, including healing someone. But what did Jesus do? He paid no attention to the religious leaders of the day, and he did what was good for the people. He helped the people. He had compassion upon them. This man was in a synagogue, and he had heard Jesus was coming, and all he wanted to do was to see Jesus, to meet Jesus, and have an opportunity for his hand to be restored again. Now, Jewish tradition teaches that this man... And the book of Luke tells us that it was his right hand that was withered. Jewish tradition teaches that this man was probably a plasterer in his labor. Many buildings and homes were made of stone at this time. And so if you desired a smooth finish on the building, you would hire someone who was good at plastering. And that's what many think that this man did. So he could not perform his work, earn a living, because his hand was withered. And he was just hoping upon hoping that Jesus would be able to do something for him. And Jesus said, I want you to stretch out your hand. And the scripture says that immediately the man's hand was restored again. And then we see the Pharisees lurking in the background. And they see that Jesus heals on the Sabbath. And they immediately leave and they conspire with the Herodians as to how they may kill him. There are a few things going on in the dynamics of this episode. Number one, we see the Pharisees have totally missed the spirit of the law. 
in their quest to try and keep the letter of the law. And there's a big difference between the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. Here we have Jesus ask them a very important question, and I want to point you out here to verse 4. He says this, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on a Sabbath, to save life or to kill? And what he is saying to them is this, You're living your life by the letter of the law. You're saying to keep the Sabbath day holy, no work is to be performed okay. But in your quest to keep the letter of the law, you're doing it at the expense of what the law was intended to do. And that was to serve the people, to have compassion upon them. And so they were angry with Jesus because he had love on the Sabbath and compassion and did a wonderful work, a healing work on a Sabbath day. And he goes on to say, it was not Sabbath, it was not man that was made for the Sabbath, but it was the Sabbath that was made for man. God said, keep the Sabbath day holy as a day of rest for man, not to observe it in such a manner that we would just look over the needs of people. So it was the spirit of the law that the Pharisees missed as they were trying to keep the letter of the law. And so that's where we're going to go with this today. Now, today's principle is this. The commandments encourage us to treat others well. And the most important rules of our faith are to love God first and to love people as we love ourselves. The spirit of the law. Now, there were 613 laws in the Old Testament in the first five books of the Bible. Those are known as the Torah or the Pentateuch. Penta meaning five, took meaning books. They're also known as the five books of Moses. They were authored by Moses and given to him by direct revelation from God. Within those books are, according to the Jewish uh, people, 613 commands. Now, each one of those commands was given by God to guide them, to direct them, to give them structure, to help them live a life not only spiritually healthy, but physically healthy, to help them avoid certain diseases of that time, to help them avoid uncleanness of that time and culture. 613 now we're not going to go over 613 but i am going to review the first 10 or the 10 commandments and you can find these in exodus chapter 20 that's the second book of the bible genesis exodus exodus chapter 20 the 10 commandments and it's good to review these every once in a while because they do remind us now these first four commandments that you see up here they teach us how to love god commandments one through four let's look at what they say exodus 20 Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, you are to keep yourself loyal to me and me alone, God says. Exodus 24, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. Don't give your heart to anything other than God. Exodus 27 says this, this is the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name 
in vain. You might have to think of something other than OMG to text, right? Come up with something new. A lot of different words in the English language. I'm sure we can be creative enough to do that, right? Exodus 28 says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So these are commandments 1 through 4, and they teach us how to love God. Honor his name. Devote yourself fully to him and your worship. Don't make any images. Don't love other things more than you love God. And then have a day of rest that's devoted to him. Now, um, commandments 5 through 10, they teach us how to love people. 2012 of Exodus says this, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. 2013, you shall not murder. 2014, you shall not commit adultery. 2015, you shall not steal. 2016, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That means to lie. And then the 10th commandment is 2017, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. In other words, anything that your neighbor has, don't covet it. Don't wish that it was yours. Be content with the things that God has given you. These Ten Commandments teach us how to love God and love people. And this is exactly what Jesus said in the two greatest commandments. He summarized the ten with two. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. You've heard me say this many times before in the past. But as you can see, there's a spirit here within these written rules. And that spirit is love. And the spirit of the law is the divine purpose of the law. In the Pharisees' quest to keep the letter of the law, they were missing the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law is love. And love is the fulfillment of the law. Look what it says there in Romans 13.10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, the spirit of the law is much deeper, a much deeper meaning of the law. The spirit of the law goes beyond a literal interpretation of the words, and it goes on to explain the reasons why the law was given in the first place. And you can see, Jesus asks the question, is it lawful to do harm or to do good on a Sabbath, to save or to kill? And he is asking them that question because he sees that they are missing the spirit and the intent of the law. God did not give these rules, these commands, in order to, uh, because he had some sort of fantasy for people to do exactly the things that he says. God's intention and motive behind these rules is love to keep us safe to keep us living a life focused on him because he knows a life focused on him will lead to light and will lead to life a life away from god apart from god leads to darkness and death remember no one gets to eternal life and enters the light except through Jesus Christ, except through a life 
with God. There is simply no other way. And so the Pharisees were keeping the Sabbath as a day of rest, but in doing so, they were forbidding people from doing things that would show compassion or love for other people. So there they are, standing in the corner, waiting and watching to see if Jesus is going to heal on the Sabbath. And they're conspiring. Is he going to do it? Let's watch. Let's watch. And there's Jesus fulfilling the spirit of the law. He tells the man, stand up, come forward, and now stretch out your hand. And of course, Jesus is going to heal that man's hand. And immediately the Pharisees leave, and they conspire as to how they may destroy him. But it was the spirit of the law that they had missed. And Jesus said this, and he reserved some of his most harsh language for the Pharisees. This is Matthew 23, 33. Jesus spoke these words to the Pharisees. He says, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? Many times he referred to them as the hypocrites. And that was because they missed out on the spirit of the law because they were trying to follow the letter of the law. Now, there's a young boy, and the deal is this. When he comes home from school, he's supposed to do all of his homework before he can watch TV. He says, okay, Mommy, I will do all of my homework before I watch TV. Well, about a half hour goes by, and Mommy goes in to check in on Junior, see if how's he's doing on his homework. And she notices that he's in there, lying on his bed, watching Netflix on his tablet. She's like, no TV until homework done. And he's like, this is not a TV. This is a device. This is my iPad, and I'm watching Netflix. You see, he was following the letter of the law, but he wasn't following the spirit of the law. The intention of the law was to get him to do his homework which was a greater benefit to him in the long run and not be distracted by the TV. So he missed the spirit of the law by following the letter of the law. And so we always need to ask ourselves, what was the purpose of these commands? What is the purpose of this law? And when you're talking about God, the purpose is always love. It always begins with love. The fulfillment of the law is love. Now, as we're talking about the law and the commands, a lot of attention is given to them at times because it's in our nature to want to do something and then receive reward for doing that particular task. And people often treat the laws of God as such, the Ten Commandments. If you were to ask many people out on the street, you would say, well, how would you get to heaven? Many of them would say, well, I would try my best to follow the Ten Commandments. And then you go through a list of the commandments, and then you'd have to ask them, have you ever broken any one of these? And they would probably lie and say no. You lied. Or they may say, they may be honest and say, yeah, I've broken these. Well, the Bible says that if you're guilty of one, then you're guilty of breaking all. So the law was given, as is pointed out by Paul to the Galatian church here, why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels 
by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to to whom the promise had been made. You see, the way of salvation has always been through faith from the very beginning. Through faith in a Savior that was promised at the beginning of the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. And then after Jesus Christ, the Savior that had already come. It's always been through faith. The law was given in order to restrain sin. You see, sin and man go hand in hand. And sin runs rampant in our culture. And so in order to restrain sin, to hold sin back, in order to encourage love, God gave us these commands and this law. And he said, look, these are for application. They're not for salvation. The promise that I give you is for salvation. The promise of a Savior to come, or in our case, the promise of the Savior that did come already. But these laws are put in place for you to apply and to remind you of how you can love people and how you can love God. That's it. There was no salvation in the law. What the law was intended to do was to be our tutor or our schoolmaster. We are to read the law, read the commands, and we are to realize, hmm, this is hard. I'm having a hard time doing this. Have I lied? Oh, I have lied before. I'm guilty of that one. Uh, Yeah, guilty of that one. Yeah, guilty of that one. They are our tutor, our schoolmaster for leading us to Jesus Christ and explaining to us why we need Jesus. We need salvation. We need the saving grace of Christ. We need that precious blood applied to our life because we fall short God's perfect commands. We fall short the glory of God. And we need that blood. Do you understand now why Jesus had to go to the cross? The point and the purpose of his death on the cross? Because we had to have salvation. And those people that believed in the promise to come before Jesus went to the cross, they needed him to go to the cross too to fulfill that promise. He didn't just do it for us. He did it for them. Salvation has always been through grace. You are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Keeping the rules, keeping the commands is not a way of salvation, but it's application. You know, it was given to restrain sin. A dam holds back water. We can restrain a horse with a bridle, and we can keep cattle from wandering with fences. Laws keep men in place. And the commands that God has given us were meant to restrain sin, to kind of keep a society under control and functioning in a way where more people could be saved and come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So the spirit of the law is love. Jesus perfectly kept the law, but the Pharisees, they put the letter of the law above love and the needs of of their fellow man. So question, why were the Pharisees opposed to Jesus healing someone on a Sabbath? Was it more important to them that nothing be done than something that would help a neighbor? Why? Why was it that they felt this way? How could they see things the way that they did? 
Well, the answer to that question is given to us by Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at a couple verses here. Let's look at verse 2 in chapter 3 of Mark. They were watching him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. Now go down to verse 5. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and the man's hand was restored. Did you catch that? Hardness of heart. The Pharisees could not see the spirit of the law because they were spiritually blind because their heart was hardened hardened hearts are blind to the spirit of the law now that word hardened in that verse there that means calloused or petrified now you've heard about a petrified piece of wood right it's a piece of wood that can be unearthed that's been there for hundreds of years where all of the minerals in the soil have gone into the pores of that piece of wood and in essence, it's been converted into stone. Back in 1956, uh, the Coast Guard seaman, he found a petrified body on Hog Island. Do you know where Hog Island is? It's next to Duck Island. <laughs> it's, up, it's off the coast of California. It's out by Sacramento and San Francisco. So anyway, he saw a petrified body there and uh, minerals of the soil had gotten into the pores of the body and in essence had turned this body perfectly preserved in fact it was preserved so well they were able to identify who the man was a petrified body and that's what happens to hearts that resist the way of god that deny the spirit of god they become petrified they become hardened and they become blind to the spirit of the law. And one of the great mineral deposits that can enter into the heart and begin to harden it and petrify it is unrepentance. An unrepentant heart makes a heart grow cold. And we need to repent of our sin. And when we fail to repent of our sin, then we begin to accumulate minerals and stockpile them, and they enter into our heart, and our heart becomes becomes hardened and we lose that sensitivity to sin and we lose that sensitivity to the spirit of god our heart of flesh begins to turn into a heart of stone and that's what the pharisees had they had a heart of stone a hardened heart second chronicles thirty six thirteen. this tells a story about a king named zedekiah he failed to turn to the ways of God. In fact, he was so rebellious, he even turned against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had just besieged and taken over the land of Israel. He even turned away from him. Look what it says there. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear allegiance by God, but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. Turning, that word turning, it means to repent. When we repent, we're turning away from sin and we're turning toward God. You see, it's an action. It's a verb. We're turning away from sin. We're turning to God. It's not just saying that we're sorry for doing something, but it's putting that sorry into application and saying, you know what? I'm turning away from that. I'm going to leave that 
activity. I'm going to leave those thought processes and I'm going to turn towards God and trust in God to help me with that. Now, we may stumble along the way, but God says, come to me if you're faithful to repent of your sin. I'm faithful and just to forgive you of that sin. But a calloused heart, a stubborn heart, you know, one of the great examples of a stubborn heart is King Pharaoh, maybe the greatest example, how he would not leave, let the children of Israel leave the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron pleaded with him. They even performed all these miracles in front of him that God had given them power to do. And yet Pharaoh time and time again said, no, I will not let them go. In fact, the scripture says that he would not listen. Now, a hardened heart does not listen to the ways of God. And it does not want to comply with the ways of God. It says, no, I will have nothing to do with it. I will not listen and I will not follow what God has to say. Now, there are many people today in the church, and I'm talking about in America's church culture, that are looking for spiritual gifts. What is it that I can do to serve God? Well, I'm going to give you a big, fat hint. Do what you're already doing. If you have a hobby you like doing, if there is something God has gifted you with in your vocation, do it. Many times... People are looking for things to do that God, and they're ignoring what God is already calling them to do because either they feel uncomfortable with that or it just isn't on their list of things that they would like to do. The church moves forward when people are obedient to what God wants them to do, especially if it's something they don't particularly like to do. He is looking for us to step out on faith, not to find another comfort zone. A spiritual gift is not a comfort zone or a thing that you want to do. It's something that might rub you the wrong way. And God's saying, do this. You're going to grow from this. You're going to be more useful to me. We're not here to find a little niche or a cubbyhole to hide in where we're comfortable. We're here for you to obey what I'm calling you to do so that not only you can grow, but the church can be edified by it. I'm calling you today that if God is calling you to do something and you're scared to do it, stretch out your hand. Let him take you by the hand and he will pull you through it. You'll be amazed at what you can get done in life for God if you will surrender to him. You know, Christians can have a hard heart. Jesus said this to his disciples. They, he was walking on the water. And the boat that they were on was being tossed to and fro with waves. And they had just seen him multiply the loaves of bread and the fish and feed thousands of people. And... They had no faith, and Jesus got on a boat, and it says that he was disappointed in their lack of faith, and they had just witnessed the incident of the loaves. And it goes on to say that because their hardness of heart, they weren't being obedient to who God was. They had lost sight of who God is because they had hardened their heart and they had given back in to their fleshly desires. Now, a hardened heart also grows dark. The other day, I was out in the dark, 
and I decided I'm going to check the oil in the van. And I lifted up the hood and I pulled that dipstick out and I could I tried to hold it up to the moonlight. Where's this oil? Couldn't do it. Had to put it back. Tried to find the little <laughs> dip tube, put it back in there. Put it I could not check the oil in the dark. Had to go in the van, turn the lights on. Did it again. Put it down in front of the headlight. Okay, looks good. Put it back. I was in the dark. When you're in the dark, you can't see what's going on. A hardened heart puts us in the dark spiritually. We can't see what God's doing. We can't move the way God wants us to move because our heart has grown dark. It's void of the light. Jesus is the light. The Spirit of God is the light. The Spirit of God cannot illuminate our hearts if our heart is hardened because our heart grows dark. Look what it says there in Romans 1.21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. That's a call for us to honor and acknowledge God. To give him the glory for any and everything. You know, when a heart softens, it's a wonderful thing. When a heart of stone turns to back to a heart of flesh, there's lots to praise and lots to glory there. There's a episode in the scriptures of a man named Naaman. He had leprosy. He went to the prophet of God, and the prophet of God told him, I want you to go down into the Jordan River, and I want you to dip yourself in the river seven times. Well, Naaman said, that is stupid, I'm not going to put myself in that dirty old Jordan River where I came from, had much cleaner waters than that. Why would I do that? And he walked away. Now, Naaman was very fortunate because he had good counsel. And they said, Naaman, why don't you just do what the man of God is telling you to do and see what happens? And Naaman, finally, he softened his heart. He said, okay, I'll do it. And he went down to that Jordan River. He dipped himself seven times in the Jordan River. And when he came back up after the seventh time, he was clean and restored. The leprosy had gone away. Why? Because the Jordan River was magical. No. The Jordan River was not magical. It's muddy and filthy. The reason he was restored is because he was obedient to do that very silly thing that God had asked him to do. It was called faith and because he acted out in faith God did a miracle in his life God's waiting to do a miracle in a lot of our lives but we've got to stop being so hard-hearted and stiff-necked and we've got to just step out there and let God do the things in life our lives that he wants to do remember he is in it for our best interest to love us and he, we can only do that when we have a heart of flesh. Now, the last point I want to make here very quickly is that a hard heart grieves the Lord. We take a look again at verse 5 in chapter 3. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. Grieved. What does that word grieved mean? If God is grieved, well, it means this. It means a cause sorrow or deep emotional pain 
You know, when someone that you love is on the wrong path or making decisions in their life that you can see are going to cause great harm to them, doesn't it bring great sorrow to you? Don't you feel sadness for them? Yeah, of course you do, because why? You love them. You know, we talk about the Pharisees and how blind they were and they were hypocrites and this, that, and the other thing, but God still loved them. Why? Because they were human beings created in His image. And He wanted them to repent and come to Him. So He was grieved by that. He was sad. There was a lot of deep emotional pain. I read a story. It just happened two days ago. There was a two-year-old girl that wandered from her home with her two dogs. This happened in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. She wandered away from home with two dogs that followed her. She went into the woods, and mom and dad didn't know where she was at, and they searched for her for a few hours. They put drones in the air. They had police dogs on the ground, and they found this little girl miraculously, found her in the woods sleeping using the littler dog as a pillow, and the bigger dog was laying next to her, but they found this girl, and they it was reminded me of how the Lord is continually searching for us. They sent out the drones. They sent out the police dogs. God is sending out his word. God is sending out his people. God has angels all around who are at his beck and call. And he's doing all these things. Why? Trying to soften our hearts. Trying to call out to us. And to remind us that God loves us nevertheless deuteronomy 23 5 the lord your god was not willing to listen to balaam but the lord your god turned the curse into a blessing for you because the lord your god loves you god has demonstrated his love for us romans 5 8 his own love toward us while we were yet sinners christ died for us there is no greater love than the love of God you know the man who had the withered hand he stretched his hand out and his hand was restored I don't know what you may have in your life today I don't know what it is that you need restoration from but if you're in a place where you need the Lord's restoring take the example of the man with the withered hand and stretch out your hand to God and let him begin the process of restoring the things in your life that need healed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you again for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you that you are the God of restoration, that you are the God of mercy, and that you are the God who never gives up. Father, like that little girl that was lost in the woods, you continue to search for us. You continue to seek us out. But your desire for us is to remove our hearts of stone and to have a heart of flesh, one that is sensitive to you, one that is sensitive to your spirit, and one that is sensitive to the things in our lives that try to pull us away from you. Father, I want to thank you for the work that you have done in our lives right now but there are those who need even more you know exactly who they are 
And if restoration of the soul was required, Father, I pray that that person now would ask you to come into their lives to forgive them of their sin and to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of their lives. This is how the restoration process begins, with a new heart of flesh. Father, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sunday message by Pastor Nick Stringer at Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. For more information, you can go to www.creekside-church.org and find us on the website. Once again, you've been listening to the Sunday Message with Pastor Nick Stringer.